Welcome to Trade Wins. I am your host, Tara Solberg, the founder of Few and Far and Indigo Love, two halves of one thriving business. I am a South Coast girl from a small town, and when I launched my business over 10 years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. What I did have was passion, drive, and a commitment to learn as much as possible on my way. I will take you through each chapter of my unique business story. You will get real insight into the lows and highs, the trials and triumphs, and the many, many lessons learned. In fact, I will share all of the things I wish I knew when I was starting out all those years ago. So consider this your personal invitation to take the first step on the journey of a lifetime towards owning your own business. Landing on a location for your retail space can seem like a daunting task, but it will be one of the most important steps you take in starting or establishing your business, so it's important that you get it right. The decisions that you make at this point will have an impact on your business for years to come, so there definitely is a lot to consider. As overwhelming and complicated as it may seem, it can also be a really exciting time. I'll admit, I always find this part extremely frustrating and difficult, and I've learned not to get emotionally involved, which has been really hard for me because straight away I visualize how the space could look, how it could function, and the feeling that could be created when transformed into one of our stores. But I remind myself to remain emotionally detached before I know that the keys are ours, and I try my hardest to treat it as a business transaction. Otherwise, it's easy to find yourself falling into the trap of paying too much or agreeing to clauses that could be detrimental to your business, when sometimes it's just not worth it. However, when you break down the process of choosing a space and getting through the negotiation period into manageable steps, it can definitely alleviate some of the overwhelm you might be feeling and allow you to make a more calculated decision. There are many things and many different variables to consider when negotiating a commercial retail lease and I would absolutely 100% recommend chatting to an accountant and even a solicitor prior to beginning these negotiations. Always have a solicitor look over your lease before signing anything as there can often be clauses in there that you don't understand or details that can be overlooked. Danny and I have been through this process several times now for retail stores, warehouses and office spaces and it never really gets easier. Every lease is different. The terms are different, the negotiation process is different, the expectations from both parties are different. At least now we've been through this process often enough to know what to look out for and what opportunities we should pursue and where to draw the line on others. But I know when we signed our very first lease, we had no idea what we were looking at. And looking back now, we would have had a lot more room to negotiate had we been more experienced in this area. Today's guest on the Tradewinds podcast is Martin Lucerto, who is Head of Business Sales and Acquisitions at MMJ in the Illawarra. His expertise in this area is second to none. You might wonder what negotiating commercial leases has to do with buying and selling businesses. 
Well, it has everything to do with it. Buying and selling businesses and understanding lease agreements and how to negotiate them goes hand in hand. And I thought, who better to bring onto the podcast than Martin to answer all of our questions. Martin joined the MMJ team in 2019 as the head of business sales and acquisitions when he merged his successful business with the MMJ brand to create a commercial real estate powerhouse in the Illawarra. He is proactive with his clients and has a proven record of helping businesses through their journey. His cool and calm approach to working with clients draws upon decades of experience and an unparalleled expertise in the industry. Marty has special expertise learnt from his experience as a tradesperson, a business owner of four successful businesses, completing a master's degree in business, a business advisor, a franchise executive, commercial property owner, speaker and business agent. As well as promoting the growing Wollongong business community, Marty loves an espresso as well as following his beloved Liverpool FC in the English Premier League. In his spare time, you'll see Marty uber his children to their weekly sporting feats and playing local football for the mighty Pumas in the over 45s amateur league. He says, I am ever inspired by the role that entrepreneurs play building businesses in their communities, providing the confidence to employ local people by creating products and services for their local economy and beyond. I can't wait to share the wealth of knowledge and information that Martin has to offer so that you can confidently negotiate your next commercial lease. So welcome back everybody to another episode of the Trade Winds podcast and I know a lot of you always have so many questions for me in regards to commercial leasing or finding the perfect location. So I've got today's guest Martin Lacerdo who is an expert at buying and selling businesses which in turn um, you know addresses all of those concerns and questions and all of the research that we have into looking into commercial leases and how they impact whether or not we can make our business work or grow and and all of the the years following signing on that initial lease so I'd really love to welcome Martin onto the podcast today so welcome Martin and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Tara. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more, well, a little bit about you. So where did you grow up and what did you want to be when you grew up? Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Takes me back a few years. Well, uh, born and bred in Wollongong. Yeah. Uh, well, on New South Wales. So, uh, yeah, haven't had, although I've travelled a, a fair bit, I haven't had a reason to uh, relocate and live anywhere else. I love it. You know, so love close it. to the beautiful beaches, great lifestyle, great place to bring up a family. Yeah, excellent. So, uh, yeah, I suppose uh, after uh, attending school, uh, what I wanted to be uh, at the time was a Air Force pilot. Oh, wow. Big <laughs> dreams to go fast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I recall uh, going for the interview and uh, interview went really, really well. And the doctor came to do a, a medical and all, all was really good until he asked the question, pretty, pretty simple question, have you ever had a headache before? I said, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
And uh, is it was it a migraine or or he said yeah it could be I don't know yeah it could be a yeah. migraine I'm not really sure I was pretty <laughs> inexperienced <laughs> and naive I think it was yeah, whatever seventeen at the time yeah. uh, I don't think I knew what a migraine was but uh, anyway uh, he he failed me on this oh, grounds no. of having um, past migraine experiences and uh, and um, later uh, the uh, lieutenant who interviewed me said oh this is something you develop once you're in the air force you don't tell them that Initially. <laughs> at the interview I thought, oh, how, did I, how was i supposed to know that yeah. anyway there was all this uh, uh process around reversing that decision and getting neurologist reports and clearing myself of migraines yeah while i was uh, thinking and dwelling uh on that i thought well i'll just go to uni do the you know just get to after year 12 go to uni and uh, I will do a, a course that's yeah uh, revolves around aeroplanes, and that was aeronautical engineering. Oh wow! Yeah. So, yeah. so I did that at, at New South Wales Uni for yeah. six weeks. That's how long it took me to be bored of it. <laughs> that should be like the you know the period that's the most exciting. <laughs> you would think, you would think yeah. but I just thought oh, I don't think I was ready to just continue schooling. Yeah. Uh, not that you know, I enjoyed school, and uh, so I think the turning point was uh, rather than continue with uni, I my father and my and my brother had a business, a butcher shop business in Illawarra area, and so I thought, oh, I used to work in this business part time, going to school, and I thought, well, I don't really want to do something else at uni at the moment. Can I just work a year in this shop, in the business? Yeah. And then I'll decide if I really want to go to uni or be a pilot and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, as things happen, I fell in love with butchering. I loved yeah, okay. it. Absolutely loved it. I loved yeah. the idea of small business. Yeah. The, the, everyone in the community knows who you are, what you do, you, you know, you have to work or whatever on the weekend. You, you walk past somebody and wave and know this. You become part of the community, part of the fabric. Yeah. yeah. That was really cool surprising uh, yeah yeah and at the time i was also part of the um, uh, retained fire brigade in my local area yeah again something very yeah. much community minded community focused and part of the community yeah so you know from wollongong and thinking oh do i go back to uni in sydney next year or not i just continued in my butchery course and yeah. working in my dad and my brother's shop and in about two years doing that, I became a partner. Wow. Right. Yeah. And uh, it'd be probably unfair on them, but I think they'd be happy for me to say it. They weren't really strong on the business administration side of things. Yeah. I loved my numbers. I, I was happy to take that, that uh, function of the business over. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I, I really loved it. So that's how I got into small business. And okay. um, yeah, I've just always have been around small business. I think often, I, it's often that practical experience that you know comes in the most valuable, isn't it? Like absolutely, yeah. Obviously, university and everything is important, and depending on your course and all that sort of thing. But when you've just kind of thrown into something and you have to figure out how to do it and how to make it work, then yeah, yeah. obviously <laughs> having that love for numbers, you kind of filled that perfect hole in there. <laughs> it was great. I think after when you finish year 12 and I, I don't know what others feel, but you just want to find a purpose yes. and a place. Yeah. And I found that. 
yeah, you're just yeah. being in, being involved in a local business, which yeah. is really cool. I mean, and not mentioning, you know, I met my wife at that time, and all that sort yeah. of stuff happens, and um, that was pretty cool. I end up going to uni later on in my okay. late twenties. Yeah. So from being a business owner to um, uh, going back to uni into something that I really wanted to learn a lot more about and what really what, what I enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, which is business. I end up doing a uh, an MBA, a master's degree in business administration. Yeah, so I just right. learned a lot more about it. How much uh, later on was that after sort of? So I think I would have been about 27. Okay. Um, so yeah, sort of eight, nine, ten years after. And so uh, while you were school. at uni, were you still working in the business as well? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah I was. Yeah. And in that time, I had actually sold our butcher shop yeah. and had bought a caravan park. Wow. So that uh, was your first experience of selling and buying a business. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. And uh, so that was a, a, an amazing experience where I suppose in selling uh, our, our butcher shop business I was pretty inexperienced in the selling process and I didn't know what to do I actually you know I did there was no broker that knew yeah. or understood about the value of our business yeah um, end up selling it to a staff member who did very well continued yeah. running the business because uh, we just didn't have that confidence to go to market yes yeah just didn't have that confidence and knowledge which was really different from when you know, about 10 years after that, sold my caravan park business. Yeah. At that stage, I had uh, you know, got my degree behind me. Uh, I was used to uh, preparing, uh, you know, large documents and dossiers about businesses and preparing a business case and, yeah. and you know, understanding what the drivers of value of a business were. Uh, so I was able to control that process. And I, looking back, it was a very successful transaction in exiting yeah. that business, selling that business. And there was no doubt that the, the degree, the business degree helped in that, just gave yeah. me a lot more confidence, yeah. experience. Yeah. It's um, like we all do, you know, the first time something happens, we, I think we bumble through it. And then yeah. A little later on, we go, oh, I'll do that a lot different next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or make that mistake again. Yeah. So, you know, mistakes are our friends. We learn from them. So it's good. Definitely. Uh, but sometimes it can be costly, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Life happens. Uh, so that's how I sort of end up becoming a lot more confident uh, and preparing the business for sale was really important, having the right yeah. documentation and then thinking strategically about, okay, who is my ideal buyer? Yes. Because yeah. it's one thing to have all of your, your, um, your ducks in a row in, in information, you know, leases in place, um, uh, you know, staff in, in various roles that are helping you run the business, uh, you know, your, your financial statements, profit and loss, understanding all that sort of stuff. But then you yeah. go, okay, well, who is the person or the buyer likely to provide me my best outcome in yeah. my successful sale? And so, uh, yeah, went through that process successfully as well and we targeted the right purchaser and yeah, yeah it was all yeah. pretty good. And in fact... When that purchaser come around, uh, the business was not on the market. Yeah, so, yeah. So my, my thoughts are always, yeah, your business should always be ready to sell. Ready, yeah. 
Because if it's ready to sell, it means you're on top of your own administration, your organisation, your plans as well. Yeah. So you just never know when someone knocks on your door. Exactly. Because so. I know a lot of the times they always say, you know, if it's not ready to sell, it sort of takes a good two years or something to actually prepare something for sale by the time you get through all of that administration work. And, you know, if you don't have any processes and systems set up in the background and all of those sorts of things are always really important so that somebody can literally just walk in and take over. Um, totally. Yeah. Totally. It's exactly that. And we like in my role at the moment, uh, as a business agent, you see businesses and business owners come to me for various reasons that they want to sell. Uh, And and, and you can tell the the business that's well managed and organized and have the documentation in order, uh, you know, leases in order, contracts with staff in order, as opposed to someone that might, you know, turn up and contact me who's just had enough you know they've yes. woken up this morning and you know <laughs> i can't do anymore and it's more of a knee-jerk reaction yeah the strategy uh and the outcomes are not as good if yeah. you plan outcomes are better generally you yeah. know you can get yeah. like but, <laughs> but generally planning is the key to great yeah. so pre- preparation and planning preparing your business for a successful sale is is key as you mentioned two years sometimes it could be longer it doesn't have to be that long it really yeah. depends on how well managed the business currently is yeah and i know danny and i went to um a master class with mark burris a couple of years ago and his big thing is always like what's your exit strategy so yeah. you always need to come up with your exit strategy before you even start your business like that needs to be in place when you start your business not when you're thinking of getting out of it because then it's too late <laughs> yeah absolutely i think yeah. when and i've helped many many businesses with planning as well not, yeah. not just ex, just in in, in uh, advising um putting a business plan together yeah and yeah. The, the first thing i discuss is just imagine having a crystal ball in front yeah. of you yeah. and your business plan all it needs to do is be a re- reflection of what you see, your vision. And yeah. part of that vision is how you started, how you know, how you see yourself operating the business and the length of time you see yourself running the business. Yeah, definitely. And having that exit strategy at the end. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> and there's a lot to think about because, you know, it's really hard even sometimes to see all of that or to forecast that. Like I know that Danny and I never imagined that we would be where we are now with, you know multiple shops a wholesale business like you know we sort of our five-year plan was to have two stores in Huskisson and we had that within our first year so it's like yeah it's crazy what can happen but I do always encourage everybody who I speak to to think big because I think like thinking big allows you to grow into your shoes kind of thing so always thinking big and having big dreams if that's the way that you want to go then I always encourage that yeah. absolutely and that also plays a part in thinking and your strategy behind leasing as well yeah definitely yeah. understand definitely. What, your, what your big yeah. picture is to yeah. know whether that you know the, the property that you were leasing fits into that plan yes so you will go back to you had that you'd bought the caravan park Um, So after that, is that when you got into the business that you're in at the moment? Sort of. There's a couple of, (laughs) I I seem to have uh, small business chapters in my life. Yeah. (laughs) So after um, uh, I sold that business at the Caravan Park, 
uh, I was approached uh, uh, by a franchising company yeah. called Pack and Send. They still operate today. They're, at the time I joined Pack and Send, there was about 60 businesses across yep. Australia. Yeah. And um, because of my business experience, I was um, my role was to develop that brand or develop the network of stores. So we, in, in five years, I think we got to over 100 stores. We also expanded into the UK and wow. um, New Zealand as well. Yeah. So my role was just to um, promote the opportunities and mm -hmm. interview the franchisee candidates to make sure that they were appropriate yes. for that business, like looking for their, their, all their experiences, their characteristics, their traits, and understanding what skills were transferable yeah. into that candidate operating yeah. A, a franchise business that was quite fulfilling and um, from there that role took me around the country a fair bit so I was traveling once a week but I had a, also had a young family three young family and so to see them a, a little more as you yeah. do yeah. <laughs> so, yeah definitely key in my life uh, <laughs> I decided to leave that role yeah and open up my own business which was uh, it's the same thing really it was actually still promoting franchise opportunities and yes. advi and uh, advising and and being a franchise consultant okay yeah wow <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the the more uh the busier i, I was um the more i gravitated to local work so rather than yeah just you know helping somebody exit their business in perth yeah I had the skills, the experience to be able to help somebody in my own backyard in yeah. Yilawarra, South yeah. Coast, Sydney. I didn't have to jump on Go a plane and help somebody. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which was definitely better for my um, yeah, family life to, yeah. to be yeah. closer to home. Which yeah. is really good. And so that's where the brokerage started. Uh, okay. with a company called that I started uh, with another business partner partner at the time called Amplify Business. Yeah. So consulting and also doing um, business sales. Yes. From Amplify Business about just over two years ago, yep. uh, I was approached by MMJ. So yep. MMJ is a real estate brand founded yep. in Wollongong with uh, offices around the country. Uh, yeah. And to join join their group. A team, yeah. Yeah. So I merged in with MMJ and now a partner. And yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So, like, yeah, and you can definitely see from all of those roles that you've had in the past how I guess commercial leasing would have been a big part of all of them, especially for franchises and you know, working with people of you know, going into those sorts of agreements, definitely important as well. So, yeah, so much experience with that side of things, which is really valuable. At this point, I'd really love to particularly talk about commercial leasing. Yep. Um, and obviously due to your extensive knowledge of buying and selling businesses um, and helping out franchise companies, um, I can imagine that making sure like firm commercial leases are in place would go hand in hand with a successful sale of a business as well. And not only just kind of setting up new businesses, um, and because I know that one of the biggest challenges that Danny and I have always experienced in business, even now, like we've done so many 
leases at this stage, but it's not just about finding the right location. It's then going on to negotiate a commercial lease for that property. Um, and I'm pretty certain that we've made so many mistakes and you know, entering into these agreements and these negotiations, or we could have probably done things better. We could have negotiated better terms, um, but we've always just been unsure as to, I guess the questions that we should be asking or how hard to push um, things that we should be looking into. Like I know a little while ago, we looked into a space and we, it seemed like it was perfect for us. You know, it was a really, really large space. But um, when we actually started looking further into it, we'd actually gotten pretty much the whole way through the negotiation stage and we were really excited about it. But then once we started looking into council and all those sides of things, we realised that the property had been adver advertised incorrectly under showroom slash, you know, bulky goods, and it was actually industrial. So it didn't allow us to sell retail and all of that sort of thing. So we if we had have entered into that lease um, and kind of overlooked that, it would have been a disaster. We wouldn't have been able to sell anything. Or I think it was, they'd only allowed 20% of your retail sales to come from that place of operation. So yeah, that could have been a potential disaster. So knowing how to, how to ask, how to negotiate and what things we should look into is really important. So I guess when it comes to negotiating a commercial lease, where's the best place to start and how should we go about it or start yeah, beginning cool. that process? Okay, so going back to that crystal ball analogy, that becomes your business plan. So imagining yeah. what your business needs to look like. If you were, obviously for yourself, you have an established business now, but let's say when yeah. you're starting out, yeah, you, you in your business plan, you need to understand what you would sell wholesale, what you would sell retail. Yeah understanding what site is appropriate for your business model yeah so when when i think about negotiating a successful lease i keep coming back to the doing your research and planning and planning and planning so planning is so important so understanding okay i need a place that might be 100 square meters of retail space yeah uh, i'll just stick with that as a simple example yeah you'll start to um, look on various websites to see which agents have different properties that satisfy that criteria. Yep. If you're lucky enough to have a selection of properties that satisfy your criteria, you'll soon build up your understanding of the marketplace as in the yeah. cost of leasing. So yes. you might have four examples or four available sites or two available sites or eight, it depends on the market conditions at the time and what area you're looking in. Yeah. And you'll, you'll soon gauge what the minimum amount for that site should be yeah. per annum or per week um the maximum okay you'll you'll soon realize that okay well this site here provides better driver by traffic or foot traffic yeah you'll need to determine what your business sells and what you need you just need big brand exposure with thousands of cars passing by or do you need heavy foot traffic yes yeah um there is no doubt then once you negotiate and speak to whether it's an agent or, or leasing privately, you need to disclose exactly what type of business that you have. You have, yes. Right? Yep. So whether you're retail or wholesale or industrial or manufacturing, yeah. uh, you need to put that out there from the outset and say, look, yep. 
it needs to be um, able to accommodate my business. Yes. So you'll check with the zoning. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes the zoning is pretty obvious if it's in a retail strip, of course. Yeah. Uh, but then you start to get into zonings where you know bulky goods, industrial, what yeah. factor or light industrial or heavy heavy industrial. So getting that checked first and what your business model, what category it fits into. If it's retail, um, it's easy to see that. So it's important when you research, when you're checking out available sites, speak with the agents, let them know what other business you have and get that clarity up front about the site needs to be used for this purpose. Yeah. And we would only negotiate or continue with a lease subject to being approved for that purpose. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. There's a fair bit of information on various local government websites that show you the zonings and what's permitted use under yeah. each zone. So there's a fair bit of uh, comfort and confidence in knowing where your business model fits there. But yeah. it's yeah. important when signing a lease to say, look, it needs to be you know fit for purpose or be able to be approved for that that use. Yeah. So yeah. You, and you'll you'll find your own valuation, whether it's $500 a square meter is reasonable, or if, if there's a range of various business or sites that you've looked at, it's $500 a square meter to $600 a square meter, yeah. you might find that uh, a lower price per square meter is because of the condition of the building yeah. Yeah. or because it's in an inferior location, another yeah. one that's demanding $650 a square meter. Yeah. Okay. But again, you look back to your vision, your business plan, understand that a high foot traffic location, if that's critical to the success of your business, well, paying a little more for rent yeah. is reasonable. Yeah. It's not, yeah, they're not all made the same. Locations yeah. are all made <laughs> the same. Um, so, yeah, so w when you're um, under, you know, starting your negotiation with you, like a particular site, yeah, I think making that quite clear, the yeah. zoning, if it fits the zoning, if it um, uh, is suitable for your business, make that point clear to the agent or the lessor. But yep. also prior to signing a lease, is important to get legal advice. Yes, definitely. Legal advice, uh, it, it's a question that you would ask your lawyer. So yep. this is my use or my, my proposed use. Can you check that this zoning Yeah. Uh, permitted? Okay. Um, and so the lessor can provide those type of guarantees as well before entering into a lease. Yeah, sure. And so what about, what are some of the things that we should consider like when entering, like actually entering into the lease and what are the questions that we should be asking? So for example, I know it can be a little bit deceiving sometimes if you're only new to this, you're looking on those websites and you're looking at the advertised prices, like is the, is the rent advertised gross or net? Like does it include outgoings, all of those sorts of things? Because obviously if you're just looking at those prices on surface value, um, that can be a little bit misleading. So, um, yeah, what are some of those things that we should consider when we're assessing those properties? Yeah. Well, the prices advertise is simply a guide. Yes. Okay? Uh, because terms to a lease can sometimes be more favourable than the price, for example. A, a lessor may decide to choose 
an applicant paying less rent but more favorable yeah. terms versus paying a higher rent and less favorable terms so yeah. a price is a, a, a commercial guide to say look, we're yeah. looking at let's just pick a number like fifty thousand dollars a year in rent yeah i'm going to refer back to this crystal ball in your plan yeah because okay? <laughs> part of your business plan is making money okay making money is having some sort of financial plan to say you know we want to sell this many tables this is the cost of the table and this is going to be my profit so your your rent will form part of your business plan yeah okay so you need to go revert back to your plan and say okay well if this premise is fifty thousand dollars a year fits into my business plan happy days yeah okay so i think you've got to revert back to what's important for you as a business owner as to what makes your business model profitable because yeah. essentially your profitability is going to be critical for the lessor because they want to be able to get their rent every week or month or year. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> they don't want you to go bad. <laughs> no, they want you to stay there. <laughs> they want you to stay there, continue yeah. paying rent. Yeah. Okay. So, that, so, so what's critical is going back to your business plan and saying, okay, what will make this or continue to make this profitable? Yeah. Will that price of what they're offering fit in my plan? Yeah. If so, it could be an offer that's made. If they're advertising $50,000 plus outgoings, and let's say the outgoings is another $10,000 a year. Yeah. You might look at your plan and say, look, you know, I budgeted for $40,000 of rent, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Uh, there may be a negotiation from that. Okay. So okay. I guess the key to that is just making sure that you're checking are there outgoings and if there are how much because ultimately that's going to be on top of that rental figure yeah, yeah. And, and, and a good agent uh, listing a, a place to lease should be able to provide that detail to you they yeah. should be able to present the business or the site of the business as a gross uh, lease which includes all outgoings yeah uh, or a net lease then plus outgoings yeah. So that can change depending on the building that you're, you're located in. For example, yeah. let's say the building has five shops. Let's just mm -hmm. stick with the retail model. It's just it's easy, easy to visualise. It has five shops and there's only one water meter Yes. in that site. So therefore yeah. you, you would split, you could typically split one-fifth of the water bill. Yeah. And that would be different. From, or if it's just a, a property that has, has its own water meter mm -hmm. for the site. You would just pay the water you use so yeah. understanding what those outgoings could be and yeah. it's all different level of outgoing some of the more standard outgoings include like your water yeah electricity if it's not separately metered mm -hmm. also could include local council rates yes yeah if it's in a strata complex there's often strata levies as well yeah in, in that level of outgoings uh, typically in that's what you cover most leases there are other levels of outgoings as well for example uh, a landlord or lessor could ask for uh, insurance the building yeah. insurance yeah and that would be typically uh, asked for if you were the only occupant of that one building yeah, yeah. so you'd you know, look after the title yes of that building yeah. because of your occupancy of that of that premises it could include management fees so yes which is not common but it could include management fees and could also include land tax yeah this is often a contentious issue 
Yes. Because <laughs> land tax is attributable to the, the landowner. Yeah. And it's based on their total land holdings. Yes. Yeah. On a single land use, I think, uh, I mean, you could uh, look this up on the uh, New South Wales government website about land tax. I don't have the, the numbers in front of it. It's about, I think, in 2021, the single holding threshold for land tax is about 755000 Yeah. In other words, land tax mm. may not be attributable to your business, while your next door neighbour with a different lessor could have land tax in their outgoing so <laughs> yeah. it's a matter of understanding what those costs are and then yeah. going back to your business model and saying does that work for my business yeah yeah do i need to be there or do i have another three locations to choose from? Yeah. yeah yeah but most importantly rather than driven purely by the dollar amount is important to be driven by which premises will allow me to fully exploit the business opportunity yeah that should be your, your primary driver definitely and also like because i know it's really hard you need to look at it quite strategically like that mathematically because i know that when you're looking at locations you can get quite emotionally involved as well so it's really important to pull back and assess all of that and if something sort of doesn't really feel right then most of the time it isn't so kind of listening to those intuitive feelings that you have as well like with those things like you know outgoings and all of that sort of thing like if it, if the list on there is extensive and you're just like a little business then it might not be the right property for you or the landlord might be a bit harder to work with or you know all of those things that you need to consider yeah um, and just a matter of does it fit into your business plan exactly yeah i think that's critical because uh, yeah. a net lease although it appears a lot less money than a gross lease you know yeah. including outgoings might still end up being the same amount of money same yeah so as long as it's disclosed yes and you can make a, an informed decision yeah based yeah. on what fits into your profitability model of your business yeah and in terms of outgoings are there any thing like any outgoings that may be listed or being asked for that would be considered unreasonable like is there anything that we need to be aware of that we sort of should think hang on a second that i shouldn't have to pay for that or i shouldn't be asked to pay for that um that's a really good question it's hard <laughs> to hard to uh, determine whether it's unreasonable as long as it's yeah. disclosed yeah okay and you agree okay. to it yeah. you agree to it and it fits into your profitability model yes. um for example, if you're in a shopping centre, they will ask for a marketing levy. Yes, yeah. Where if you're not in a shopping centre, to ask for a marketing levy would be unreasonable. So yeah. it really depends. But in a shopping centre, you think, well, hang on, this shopping centre, marketing the shopping centre brings more people through the door. Yeah. It's yeah. a benefit to my business. I can yeah. see the point of it. Yeah. And that fits into my business model. So I think it's only unreasonable if it, you know, it seems inappropriate or like you said, if you get that feeling, it's like, why do you want me to pay that for? It doesn't make any sense. What's yeah. the purpose of it? Yeah. And it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you, you need to raise it, raise that red flag and say, hey, that's not unreasonable. <laughs> and as part of your negotiation discussion to say, look, I'm happy to pay X, Y, Z, but yeah. not those other things that you want me to pay. And that yeah. can form part of the negotiation. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a good tip.
And so are there any traps or hidden clauses that we should be aware of when it comes to looking at leases? For example, I know when we took on the lease of our very first Huskisson property, um, our solicitor, well, we got our solicitor to look over the lease before we signed it, which was lucky because there was a demolition clause in there. So, which basically says if they decide, if the owners decide that they want to have the building demolished, they only need to give you six months notice whether or not, whether you have a lease in place or not. So, is there anything like that or is that something like that the main kind of thing or? That's probably the main one. The one that you see most often that can make or break a, a, a deal, whether you sell your business successfully or whether you move into this location, like what you've yeah. highlighted as, as your example. Yeah, so that's, that's the main one. There are other, like just a standard exit clause where I've seen in some leases, which is bizarre to me, where, you know, I signed a five-year lease with you, but at any yeah. time, anyone can give each other three months notice as an exit yeah. clause. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I, I've seen it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it's rare, but the yeah. most common one that pops up is a redevelopment clause or demolition yeah. clause. Okay. Uh, and And it might be, uh, like oh yeah great the landlord's a great lady and this and that the other great people they won't won't do that to me because I've got a relationship with them when yeah. it comes time to sell your business yeah or if they're approached with a big offer to redevelop the place yeah uh, yeah they're most likely to tap you on the shoulder and say look I really yeah. I'm sorry. really sorry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's hard to rely on just hope um when I, I refer to that as a hope strategy i hope they don't redevelop yeah, yeah. No. no it's important no. if you want to have a good five-year run at that premises or a 10-year run at that premises that if it does have a redevelopment clause you either negotiate that out yes say, okay I, I'm, I understand that you've got a really great site here that could be you know a prospect for redevelopment but with that clause in place i can't go ahead yeah, sure. Yeah. If yeah. Yeah. If, if you have a business model, though, that doesn't rely on location. So if it's not retail, if it's a service business, yeah. And you might be in an industrial shed, and it's no problem for you to relocate. So, so in other words, your site doesn't really bring in customers. No. Yeah. And you have a demolition clause or redevelopment clause, it's not an issue. Bad. No, it's more for retail, I guess, when you've established your position, your customers know where you are. You know, it takes a long time for people to figure out where you are and to keep coming back. So you don't want to have to be moving. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the cost of moving is expensive too, especially when you're investing a lot in fit outs and things like that. So you need to kind of make sure all of that's resolved. Yeah, and, and if it does fit in your business plan as well, where for example, let's say the demo, let's say you sign a, at least it's a five-year lease with a five-year option, and yeah. the redevelopment clause doesn't come to into effect until the second five-year period, but yeah. you really only intended to stay there three to five years anyway. Well, yeah. that's okay. Again, yeah. go back to your plan. Doesn't fit into my plan. Doesn't fit into my vision. Yeah. If it does. Happy days. If it doesn't, I think you need to look elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So on that, I know, obviously, we should be looking at our business plan. But when it comes to negotiating the, the terms in terms of um, like the duration of the lease, 
how would you recommend or suggest that we approach this? Because there are a lot of different ways that you can approach this. Like you said, you know, you might be more favorable if you're asking for a longer for longer terms, but how can we break this up, especially if it's our very first business um, and we're going into this completely blind as to how the business is going to perform and all of that what would you suggest in terms of negotiating the duration of the lease or the or the options yeah um, sure. Yeah. so so it's in as a, a tenant or a lessee it's in your favor to negotiate the longest amount of, uh, of years or the the longest lease but having options built in yeah for example if you can see yourself in a premises for 20 years or 10 years you would have terms that are up to that those 10 years which is really important if growing your business or buying or starting a business relies on finance from a bank because a bank will typically want lease terms in alignment with their finance terms yeah like typically you know yeah. obviously exceptions etc uh, so if you have a 10-year loan to acquire a business the bank would like to see lease terms up to 10 years. Yeah, yeah. So that becomes a bit of an asset for you as a business owner to have longer terms. Yeah. Because you know that you can spend money in your fit out and yeah. you could price that uh, cost of setting up over a 10-year period. Where yeah. And you can get 10 years, uh, you have 10 years then to make your money, make your profit, a return yeah. on your investment, as opposed to signing a three-year lease. Yes. You know, you're limited to how much that you put into the property as a fit out, as a leasehold improvements. Yeah. Uh, you, you really wouldn't. Uh, you'd, you'd just spend only a minimal amount of money knowing that you need to get a return on your investment even after paying for your fit out. So, it, it, again, going back to the plan, your own business plan, you would look to negotiate lease terms for the period that you'd like to be in that location. So let's say you want to be there for quite a long time you'd be looking to set up terms of 10 years at least. If you can, yeah. and that could look like a four year plus three plus three, you know, different options. Yeah. Depending on the business, of course, for example, in, in my experience in the Caravan Park uh, area, uh, storage and also childcare centres, it's common to have longer leases. Yes. It's quite yeah. a heavy investment. It's a, a, it's a larger investment in entering that business or, or taking over a business like that. So you often see leases that, or service stations similar where it could be 30 years up to 40 years lease. So yeah. when I uh, sold my previous business, it was on a, a lease of 40 years. It was yeah, a 10-year wow. lease with three 10-year options. Yeah. Uh, because the purchaser needs, you know, if, they want to, if you want to sell your business for a higher amount of money, the purchaser needs enough time to get their return on their investment. Yeah, definitely. So again, it's really about your vision of the business. Where do you feel your business will be in five years' time, in 10 years' time? Is this site adequate to accommodate your business growth? Yes. Or, or will you just sign a, a shorter lease? Again, like a two-year lease with further options. Yeah. Uh, because you want some flexibility to relocate into a larger site. Yeah, um, yeah. What I, I suppose in negotiating a lease, what, I think what's important to know is the agenda of the other side, okay, the lessor. Yeah. Once you know the drivers of the lessor, you're in a better position to negotiate. For example, is it a site that they want to develop? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you'll be banging your head to brick against a brick wall if they want to develop this in two years' time. Yeah, you're not okay. going to get a long lease. <laughs> you really need to find another location. 
yeah yeah if the property is in a position where it's fairly new and yeah. it's held by an investor in other words they don't want to run any businesses they yeah. just want to collect rent it's yeah part, you know, could be a corporate or a, you know family or a single owner but that's their investment and they they're happy to sign a 10-year lease or a 20-year lease yeah that's important i think understanding the drivers of the lessor are important as well when negotiating yeah, so you can always ask the real estate agent those questions too, like when you're inspecting the property, like sort of, you know, just to get a bit of an idea, like, because, you know, they might not even consider you if you don't want a long lease. So yeah. rather than wasting your time, um, that could be one of the questions that you approach them with even prior to inspecting the property. What are the lease terms or what lease terms is the um, the owner looking for? And yeah, just to... Yep. What's Cut available? Find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And whether the, the, the premises is for sale. Because yeah. knowing that the premises is for sale, uh, sometimes you won't get a long lease. Yeah. For someone who, if, if you know that premises on the market, a yeah. purchaser may wish to redevelop or they might be an owner operator. They might yeah. be a business operator looking to buy their own premises. So yeah. uh, I think um, understanding more about the lessor, because yeah. they'll want to know more about you. Yes. <laughs> and what your intentions are. Yeah, definitely. You sign that commercial tenancy application. It's yeah. important to quiz the agent or the lessor about more about what their goals are as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Even on that topic, I know that whenever we apply for a lease, I don't really know if it makes any difference or not, but I've always put together a bit of a document about us and our plans for the future and our plans for that store and even, you know, examples of our fit outs and things like that, because I know that, you know, it, it may have give them a bit more confidence in terms of who they're actually leasing the property to and that we, you know, passionate about what we do and we look after our spaces and all that sort of thing. So just gives them a little bit more of an insight into you and what your plans are. You're not sort of just looking for a pop-up shop. <laughs> Spot on, Tara. It's about building confidence and yeah. disclosing information. Being upfront with it is important. Yeah. So look, this is our vision. This is our plan. This is yeah. our experience. This is what we'd like to do. Um, understanding, yeah, putting it out there so they get a better understanding of you okay. and whether, yeah. whether you fit with their agenda and the other way around. So, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And, and, and it, as a look, I've been fortunate enough to be on both sides. I'm, I'm less see and also less all. Yeah. And both parties have their own agenda, as in, yeah. you know, it's in for a, a lessee, you want a site that you can make profit from, a lessor yeah. wants a tenant that they, you know, they're going to be there for a long time and pay rent. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, you know, not be a problem, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there is a middle ground and it's important yeah. to get there by disclosing information about each other, about saying, look, I, I'm going to be spending X amount of dollars on a fit out. Yeah. That makes their property look really good. Yeah, on that topic, actually, like, because we're often faced with the, um, the make good clause. Yeah. Um, so at the end of every lease, which means it's our responsibility to return the property back to its original condition. But I've always struggled with this because most of the properties that we've taken on, um, they're in such poor condition. And when we take them on, it's like, you know, we add significant value to all of the premises that we occupy, um, you know, and all of them have been so bad that by the time we get in there, we've added so much value to them, like with our fit out. So then I'm like, well, how do I make good? Am I meant to put it back to like 
but we always if if we've ever moved out of anything we've always put it back to like just basically taken our things out and repainted it making sure that it's always looking beautiful when we leave but I do struggle with that one to be honest because I know that whenever we've taken over a property it's in like I just said it's in terrible condition so why have the previous tenants not had to make good <laughs> yeah. yeah sure look I think sometimes if you're taking over a property that's in really poor condition and it's a new lease it's it's not unreasonable to ask for some sort of rent-free period or some sort of yeah. um <clears throat> an amount of value amount that takes out of consideration like it becomes yeah. part of the negotiating point so look i'm spending a lot of money here there's a lot of work that needs to be done just to get it back to a nice yeah. clean box or you know yeah uh, so you know i think there's some value in negotiating yeah. that in your initial negotiations and then it's in regards to making good it, it, it can be contentious because you think well hang on if you know if you've tiled over a floor yeah, yeah, it could be arguable that the, the new floor coverings are actually better than yeah. <laughs> you know, scraping the tiles off and bringing it back to concrete. But essentially, as I mentioned earlier, understanding the purpose of it is yeah. really important. And so as a landlord, as, a, as a, a lessor, they don't want to be in a position where you've left the premises and, and, and albeit you've probably left the place in a better condition than what you had yeah. it. A lot of premises is it's not like that at all. It yeah. can be the opposite. Yeah. You know, they had it presented in great condition and they've been left with a mess. Yeah. And the cost of cleaning that up. Uh, yeah. To get that ready to be rented out again. Yes. So the the, the you know the, the common thread here is you've got the premises at a at a particular condition that you can complete your fit out. Happy yeah. days. If it's really poor, you can Definitely, as part of negotiation, ask your uh, lessor to assist yeah. with some sort of, you know, they contribute to the fit out. Or it be a rent free period. Yeah. That's right. Some sort of value that you can negotiate that in. So, yeah. definitely, a fit out contribution is definitely worth asking for to get yep. it to a particular condition. Uh, and that's going to be dependent on how long you sign a lease for. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a landlord won't give you $50,000 of uh, a fit-out contribution if you're only going to be there for one year. Yeah. And paying $30,000 a year in rent, it doesn't yeah. make any sense at all. But if yeah. you're going to be there and sign a seven-year lease, yeah. paying $100,000 a year, well, that's yeah. a different story. There, there's, yeah. there's room to negotiate. So it's got to be a commercial decision for both parties. Yeah. And again, I think your point that you've made before about like thinking, does it fit in with your business plan is really important because I know, for example, like we, where we are in Berry, in our Berry store, when we took that on, we knew that it was going to be a significant cost to get it to what we wanted because it was originally three shops yeah. and we knocked out all of the walls <laughs> and turned it into one giant one. Yeah. But we have agreed with the landlord that if required at the end of the lease, we will return it back to three shops. We'll have to yeah. build those walls in, which will yeah. come at a huge cost to us. But again, like you said, coming back to does it fit in with your business plan? You know, the aim for us was to have a giant shop and that's yeah. what we need. And that's what will ultimately be will create the best result for us. So we've factored in the cost of making good yeah. and bringing it back to those three stores um, at the end of the lease into that that overall, um, I guess, fit out cost and cost of 
doing business really that's right Um, so yeah i think if you look at it like that and work out how is your business going to be most profitable with what kind of a result do you want from your fit out then that's i guess how you have to factor that in (laughs) absolutely and and one of the i think i've noticed more with and it happened to me but first time business owners yeah. uh, when they start a business or, or buying a business not realizing that it's very very different to renting a house yes so different okay. so yeah. different okay yeah. so a commercial lease it's really like it sounds silly to say this it's like a grown-up lease you're responsible yeah. for what you do i'm responsible for what i do where yeah. in, in a rental uh, house situation there is a lot more uh, responsibility on the land on the homeowner yes. to provide you know a safe uh, place yeah. of residence so principal place of residence is yeah. seen very differently as a commercial enterprise yeah I've always said because I've I've we own a property that we've rented out before and I've always said I think we need to be a commercial landlord <laughs> because whenever we've entered into obviously lease commercial leases like you know if you need a few extra powerpoints then you have to go and put them in or if you exactly. need, you have to do it you have to basically cover the cost of everything like and yeah. even when it's a brand new building um you come in it's just given to you as a shell so it's yeah. basically like you have to fit it out with you know, at your cost all of these yep. things whereas yep. when it's the home if something you know kind of needs repairing or replacing then the the um homeowner is expected to provide that for the tenant yeah absolutely the hot water system goes and the landlord yeah. provides a new one in, yeah. your, in your business hot water system goes and the landlord just shrugs their shoulders and says, well, or it's part of your outgoing so absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. but no that's really great advice on all of that thank you Um, and just if you could offer one piece of advice for anyone wanting to start a business what would it be okay i've probably already heard it yeah three words plan plan and plan yes (laughs) you can never plan enough uh it's all good and well to know that you know you can make great coffee sell good things install fantastic fences yeah you, you know your craft or what you want to deliver to customers yes right? sometimes a, a, a great you know person with their customers and suppliers sometimes fail they just can't get their head around that yeah. business administration so exactly. understanding okay you need to plan you need to have your vision you need to find the location of that vision there is a lot of work in being a business owner Although it's yeah. not an exclusive club, like you can learn it, like I'm sure you did when you yeah. started it, I did as well, when you start out on that journey. But sticking to your vision is critical and that's yeah. that's planning. Yeah, definitely. So having, having your plan, sticking to it. Your plan will remind you what doesn't smell right, I better not do yeah. that. Yeah. It'll bring you back to your vision, that, that crystal ball. So hang on, I can't see this in my crystal ball. Exactly. Yeah. It's not to say that you shouldn't be adaptive and take new opportunities as they come, but you, your vision will remind you of why yeah. you're doing it yeah, and no. whether this decision fits into that business plan. So I can't stress enough about the planning. Planning. And you can have as much passion in the world, which I think is also important, but without the planning side of it, it could all just collapse. So yeah. it's really yeah. important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Martin. All of that advice is just so valuable and incredibly helpful. And I'm sure everybody will get so much out of that because there is a lot of the unknown when you're looking into commercial leasing. It's a little, can be a little bit daunting and a bit scary, especially when it's like your first time. And but there's even some great information in there for those of us who have done a, a, a bit of it already. So thank you so much for your time um, today. And just quickly, where can we find out more about what you or more about what you do and what you offer? Yeah, no worries. So Tara, it's my pleasure. I'm very Thank always you. happy to help. Very appreciative that you asked me on um, how you can reach me uh, via phone. Uh, so it's zero two four double two nine double five double five by email business at mmj.com.au. Yep. You can go straight to our website yep. mmj you and you can find me on LinkedIn and reach out yeah. that as well. All of those places. Thank you so much, Martin. I really appreciate it and can't wait to share this one with everyone. My pleasure. Good luck thank with your lease negotiation. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>